0: chapter eight of the untempered wind by joanna wood this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce peary oh yet we trust that somehow good will be the final goal of ill to pangs of nature sins of will defects of doubt and taints of blood next day early in the afternoon mrs deans put away her sewing and donning a black bonnet and a large brochet shawl folded cornerwise betook herself out of the house she went quietly even sneakingly this caution was exercised with an object mrs deans did not want the bound girl to know she had gone such knowledge would be too conducive to a sinful peace of mind mrs deans took her way to the village intent on getting some dye from the store she hesitated before the gate of the holder cottage then assuming a look calculated to show the beholder that the milk of human kindness had in her case turned to cream she entered the garden partly out of a desire to show old mrs holder that this was really a neighborly visit and partly to come upon her unawares if possible and see what she was doing and also to have an opportunity of seeing the child without asking to see it mrs deans followed the little footpath round to the back door it was open the small kitchen was scrupulously clean some wash-tubs stood in one corner full of soapy water awaiting the return of myron to empty them mrs holder had deferred her washing evidently a line hung diagonally across one corner of the room and upon it a row of little ill-shaped garments hung drying fluttered by the light breeze from the open door the rest of the scanty washing mrs Deans could see in the garden old mrs holder never hung a garment of the child's outside mrs deans scrutinized all these things standing at the open door but not knowing where mrs holder might be and fearful lest the sharp-eyed old englishwoman had already seen her spying out the land she felt impelled to knock this she did and in a moment mrs holder came from the front room seeing mrs deans she greeted her with the nearest approach to warmth she was capable of displaying and placed a wooden rocking-chair for her sitting down herself in a narrow high-backed wooden chair bolt upright and with her arms folded presently she let fall her hands into her lap twisting them nervously one within the other they were bleached an unhealthy pallor and their palms and finger-tips crinkled like crape from her washing and how are you mrs deans she asked her voice held a strong english accent oh well for which i ought to be thankful returned mrs deans considering them as is took that is unprepared we ought to be grateful that we're spared for it would seem as if them that is ready would go the first dan follett died last thursday how do you find yourself mrs holder not well not at all well returned the old woman her voice querulous i was took cruel queer last night a gasping after breath as wouldn't come i'm nigh tired enough o living if i could die mind easy but i can't yes said mrs deans pursing her lips and shaking her head we all have our troubles but you have had a terrible affliction and as i have often said to henry old mrs holder does take it terrible hard it do be hard said mrs holder then came a pause mrs deans was in certain ways clever she knew the futility of attempting to force mrs holder's confidence therefore she contented herself with a lugubrious shake of her head a sympathetic expression of eye, and murmured yes it's terrible hard yes began mrs holder almost reflectively to think as it should come to me being afraid o being buried due to not knowing who's going to lay along o me it do seem main hard here the speaker's tones grew hard and her beady eyes venomous but i'll find a way somehow Myron myronkind's daughter and her bastard brat don't never lay alongside o my son and me light now dawned upon mrs deans she fully appreciated mrs holder's attitude in the matter she rose to the occasion it's the lot up in the cemetery that's worrying you she said well so twould me to think a young one sich as that was going to be next hand touching me in my grave at that moment there came a sound from the adjoining bedroom the door was ajar a chubby hand reached through the opening and pulled the door wide and the next instant myron's baby roused from his sleep by the sound of their voices came out and walking totteringly across the floor took hold of his grandmother's dress and stood eyeing mrs deans with the frank impertinence of babyhood his yellow hair was tossed and tangled his blue eyes a little heavy yet from sleep were placid and happy his face was round and dimpled one cheek flushed a deep rose from the pressure of the pillow he looked indeed perfect as any cherubic picture however such children as he may develop undoubtedly the blond rosy dimpled type is the ideal baby there was something grotesque in these two women their souls grimed with the dust of their own sins their hearts hardened beneath a crust of their own self-seeking lusts their bodies calloused by the world defiled by their own passions fearing contamination living or dead from too near vicinity to that child Run away, my said his grandmother giving him a little push the baby stood a moment a gray cat peeped in at the door and then withdrew its head with a gurgle of laughter the child trotted after it mrs deans had been eyeing him steadily since his appearance now who does that young one look like said she with emphasis as if to force an answer by her earnestness nobody said mrs Holder. He do be witched, I think. I never see a child like him afore. You could always see a likeness in some trick or other, but that young one has no tricks with him. Them's his ways, such as you've seen. Eat, smile, sleep. Well, it beats all, said mrs Deans, feeling exasperated. A trill of inarticulate laughter interrupted them, and the baby appeared at the door the gray cat in his arms wriggling to free itself it did putting its hind legs against the baby's breast it sprang out of his arms the recoil sent the boy down but he picked himself up and again began the pursuit now mrs holder you was telling me about the cemetery lot said mrs deans yes returned her hostess it's this way there's four graves in the lot and only one took up i can't abear bear to think on it to think whether i will or no that i have to lie with such a lot and rise with them at the day well said mrs deans in a meditative voice well a long pause then she added now if twasn't for offending you mrs holder i think i can see my way i'll be right glad if you do said mrs holder eagerly it's vexing me sore well began mrs deans it's this way i've done a lot of business one way and another and i'm used to seeing through things and this is what i would suggest mrs holder not that i want to make or meddle with other folks business but being always willing to do what i can to help along and what i would suggest is this get muir to call here and fix it with him so as he'll do whatever's necessary when the time comes and you give him half the lot for it so if anything happens why everything'll be done up proper and then he'll stake off half the lot and you needn't be scared he'll not let it out of his hands that's what i would suggest mrs holder not that i pretend to be anything more than common but i've done a heap of business in my time it do seem fair wonderful mrs deans said mrs holder her face lighting with an ugly expression of gratified malice it do be fair wonderful the mind you have but how'll i get word to muir i don't want myron to know of course and i won't go down street with my flaunting the family shame and there i be fair stuck i'm passing muirs as i go to the store said mrs dean's rising oh no thanks please don't thank me we must all do what we can to help other folks along you know in this world and i don't take it no trouble to do my share well i take it rare kindly returned the old woman oh said her guest pausing i meant specially to ask you about myron she was terrible late yesterday morning i spoke to her about it and she spunked up dreadful got as red as fire and never said a word i thought it my duty to tell you mrs holder being anxious for her good and knowing you couldn't look after her when she was out of your sight she was late yesterday morning in starting said mrs holder but i be fair ashamed she should show herself like that to you after your goodness to her and bearing with her as you have done oh myron has her mother's ways sulky she is and close-mouthed alas was this all the memory left of Myronkind's gentleness and sweet patience you can see what i have to put up with day in and day out come here my this to the child as she saw him going along the path yes you have your own times i'll warrant said mrs deans what did you call the young one my replied mrs holder that's what she always calls it and i'm bound it's most fitting being near her own name i fair hate that name mrs deans myron's mother took my son away from me and she brought me shame it's fit and well to call the brat that too yes indeed you're right there agreed mrs deans at once relieved and disappointed relieved that her gamaliel was left in undisturbed possession of his name disappointed that myron holder had not given some more definite name to her child homer for instance mrs deans took her way down street filled with righteous self-congratulation the scheme of debarring myron holder from ever lying beside her father seemed to her most admirable doubtless from a strictly legal point of view there might have been difficulties in the way but who was going to tell myron that mrs deans smiled to think of myron's surprise when she found out myron Holder had never done mrs deans any injury but the latter cherished against her that inexplicable hatred that alien from rhyme or reason sometimes fearfully fostered in the human heart this feeling mature and enfranchised made the streets of paris red with blood has nerved the hand that hurled a bomb has steadied the aim of the assassin and developed by heredity and indulged by training and opportunity has made the thugs a people to inflict what others endure with pain is their life Halfway way down the street mrs deans paused before a door overshadowed by a green painted veranda supported by spindling posts upon each side of the door was a window in one was displayed a mortuary wreath made of white stucco flowers and a star formed of six nickel-plated coffin plates tastefully disposed against a black background the same being the beaver covering stripped from one of mr muir's defunct tall hats in the other window was placed a small coffin this cheerful display was intended to indicate that the jamestown undertaker was to be found within as mrs deans entered a bell hung over the top of the door rang and as its note died away in a harsh tinkle steps began to come from the rear of the shop slow solemn footsteps the echo of one dying away before the other succeeded it which gave a sepulchral effect to the tread of mr muir they were indeed a fitting herald of the little undertaker's appearance which distinctly suggested his vocation he was short and broad without being in the least stout he had a sandy-colored beard so shaggy as to be almost woolly and which he wore parted in the middle and brushed on either side into the semblance of a gigantic dundreary he wore habitually a broadcloth suit and of these he had always three one in the last stages of dilapidation that he wore when doing his chores in the morning attending to his two spare-ribbed black horses wailing the wheels of the hearse etc another he wore when he kept shop and when attending to the private offices of his profession the third was the holiest and reserved for his public functions at the funerals the suit always consisted of a frock-coat which fell below his knees and hung around him in folds a waistcoat buttoned up to the neck and a pair of trousers that were always too short but which made up in width for that deficiency an odd little bird of ill-omen he was his face was settled into an expression of unalleviated gloom his features had assumed an attitude of mournful resignation from this funereal countenance his eyes shone forth strangely little bright eyes keen and acquisitive he advanced rubbing his hands slowly together mrs deans he said and bowed this bow was an acquirement much thought of in jamestown what more palliating to bereaved feelings than to behold mr muir in all the black glory of grief ushering in the funeral guests with a succession of these bows he had a clever knack of including the remains in each of these genuflections which were always performed at the door of the room where the dead lay His appearance upon these official occasions was little less than sublime. The way in which he removed his tall hat from his head was in itself a poem, hardly ostentatious yet most impressive, exalting the act to a ceremonial and dignifying the performance unspeakably mrs deans never cared much for mr muir the little man's eye held a certain proprietary look that chilled one's blood it was as though he viewed one in the light of prospective remains as who should say go your way in your fashion now some day you will go my way in my fashion a tape line always showed itself from one of his pockets and this in itself brought as gruesome a suggestion as any one cared to contemplate how do you do mr muir said mrs Deans. how do you do how's the world treating you these days oh well very well replied mr muir solemnly still rubbing his hands together then he nodded towards the rear of the shop will you go in he asked this was mr muir's way of inviting customers to inspect the coffins no not to-day said mrs deans hastily i haven't called about any work for you mr muir but on business mr muir looked puzzled the terms evidently bearing some relation to each other in his estimation it's for old mrs holder went on mrs deans if it's to do any burying for her i won't do it unless the council guarantees it interrupted mr muir with decision here i have waited and waited for jed's money and only got the last of it last week got it by fifty cents. it ain't satisfying getting a bill in fifty-cent pieces it ain't business they get the coffin in a lump they ought to pay in a lump no i can't do it mrs deans not meaning to disoblige you though and i hope you won't hold it against me and keep back the favor of your business of course doing for you and doing for such as holders is two stories now for you or your husband something more after the style of general mrs deans broke in hastily once upon a time mr muir had traveled seven hundred miles to see the funeral of a great general that funeral was to mr muir what a visit to rome is to an artist and his description of it was a story to outlast the passing of the pageant it pictured all jamestown knew the story and mrs deans felt that prompt action alone could save her it don't concern burying people at all mr muir but burying ground mrs deans gurgled over her own joke and i'll just tell you about it if you'll wait a minute you see looking confidential it's like this mrs holder takes it terrible hard about myron's goings-on and when she dies she can't bear to think her and her young one is going to be put right at touching her as you may say which ain't to be wondered at when one considers the importance of the thing mrs deans paused for breath and to give this time to have due effect upon mr muir who was once known to complain because people spent more on marrying than on burying mr muir nodded his approval and mrs deans continued that being the case mr muir as i said it ain't to be wondered at that mrs holder is uneasy and wants to fix it so she and her son'll be undisturbed so having asked me about the matter i suggested to her that you could fix it if any could and so she wants you to call up to see her because she can't leave my and she won't bring him out who's my asked mr muir why that's the young one didn't you know that's more of myron holder's slyness but pshaw what's the use of talking them kinds all alike but fancy naming it after herself well as i said old mrs holder she wanted you should come up to see her and make a trade now i hope you'll go mr muir being as i specially suggested to her that you could help her out i'll go mrs deans i'll go said mr muir think i'll just slip up by whites and see the lot first nigh hand to warner's ain't it yes nigh close to old man warner's which was filled when ann eliza was buried mr white did say that ann eliza overlapped his lot but there it doesn't do to say them things it ain't me to spread talk she had a queer look though ann eliza did when she was laid out hadn't she mr muir here mrs deans nodded with much sinister meaning at mr muir yes a very wretched-looking body she made i like to see a cheerful-looking corpse something more after the style of jed holder now when he was ready he was a real credit to me though his pay was unsatisfactory very unsatisfactory yes jed did smooth out most wonderful agreed mrs deans then you'll go up to mrs holder's better go soon mr muir old warner'll be after more lots some of these days yes without a doubt mrs deans said mr muir mrs deans pulled the door open again the harsh bell rang and she heard its dying tinkle through mr muir's farewells for he came outside the door with her and after she betook herself down the street he still lingered gloating critically over the arrangement of the coffin plates in his window mrs deans proceeded down the street and soon reached the store as she paused at the store door she looked back and saw the undertaker just entering his shop he'll never handle any job for me mrs deans said recalling the rudeness of his interruption during their conversation i'll get foster from ovid for henry she entered the store purchased her dye-stuffs quickly and then all business cares off her mind set her face steadfastly to go to mrs wilson's now mrs deans was extremely eager to find out if mrs wilson's anxiety about the naming of myron holder's child sprang from any knowledge or suspicion of the boy's parentage as she tread heavily along the sandy footpath to the wilson farm she turned the matter over in her mind and considered the best means of getting at the truth or at least all mrs wilson knew of it gossip is something more perhaps than a vulgar propensity there is art in it as in everything else there are several ways of inducing others to talk freely of their affairs mrs deans thoroughly appreciated the distinctions between the methods one way which mrs deans had found very effective in some cases is to assume high ground treat the discussion with the careless condescension of one to whom it is an old story acknowledge every tidbit of information with a nod signifying thorough acquaintance with the whole matter the victim oftentimes irritated by your show of superior knowledge goes on supplying detail after detail in the hope of startling you out of your apathy this plan has however as mrs deans knew been known to miss fire and when it fails it fails completely she hesitated to try it with mrs wilson another very seductive plan is to assume an air of great meekness and draw your subject out by seeming to believe she knows all about the mooted question whilst lowly you know nothing few women can resist this the desire to flaunt the knowledge imputed to them is too strong to be denied mrs deans slowly entered the wilson gate the path from the road led up to the house between two rows of large stones placed at regular intervals from each other upon the grass at the side of the path these stones were whitewashed every now and then by mrs wilson and were considered to give quite an air to the place the spring house-cleaning being just over they shone dazzlingly white from a fresh coat their ranks were broken halfway up to the house by two small rockeries over which grew live forever old man winter verbena and lemon balm they were each crowned by a geranium the one a sweet-scented one the other a single scarlet close to the house grew two plum trees one on each side of the path from the branches of one was suspended a hanging basket made out of half of a coconut shell in which grew creeping Charlie. whilst the other tree was adorned by a tin pan filled with the luxuriantly growing jointed stems of the wandering jew on each side of the steps for mrs wilson was fond of uniformity stood a brown shilling crock one almost hidden beneath a green mat of a trailing vine called jacob's ladder the other holding an upright and sturdy jerusalem cherry tree known to unimaginative botanists as solanum around whose roots were appearing the tiny rosettes of portulaca seedlings mrs deans noted these things not altogether approvingly Marian wilson being in her estimation somewhat perilously given up to vanities her knock brought a speedy answer in the person of mrs wilson well jane she ejaculated come right in i was just expectin you some of these days come right into the setting-room and lay off your things and we'll visit together for a spell oh i ain't come to stop said mrs deans suffering herself to be led into the sitting-room i ain't come to stop only as i was just at the store for di i thought i'd come on and see you you done right said mrs wilson you done right there and i'm real glad you've come got your rags all sewed "'Yes, forty-two pounds,' replied Mrs. Deans, who all this time had been mechanically untying her bonnet-strings, and affecting to be oblivious of the actions of Mrs. Wilson, who was unpinning her shawl. Presently, the bonnet-strings being unloosened, Mrs. Wilson dexterously switched away bonnet and shawl, and said triumphantly, "'Now, Jane, come and set down.' then and not till then mrs deans awoke with a start to the fact that her outdoor garb had been removed why marion i declare she said you do beat all having suffered herself to be led to and installed in a rocking-chair mrs deans settled herself comfortably for a talk what colors are you going to dye jane asked mrs wilson well said mrs deans checking off the list on her fingers i've got hickory bark for yellow and walnut shucks that i saved last fall for brown and barberry stems to mix with blueing for green and i've bought red and magenta and blue and i was thinking that being as i didn't want much color that would be enough yes said mrs wilson i never care for a carpet that is just a mess of colored rags i like a good deal of yellow though i seen one in the market the other day a woman from ovid had it for sale and it was real neat-looking it had a briar twist of yellow and black in the middle of the pattern and a stripe of red at each side then there was a wide piece of purple And a narrow stripe of green the filling up was mixed and a lot of blue in it and she had it wove with red warp i didn't get any purple said mrs deans but i might get it say wouldn't red and blue mix for purple asked mrs wilson why i don't know but they would where did she have hers wove up to skinner's at the pine woods said mrs wilson they do say the skinnerses keeps back the rags and helps themselves to the warp but the way i do it is to weigh the warp and the rags and then when i get the carpet back i weigh that a very good way too agreed mrs deans i'd like to see the carpet-weaver that would cheat me have to get up early in the morning eh jane said mrs wilson approvingly yes earlier than before night chuckled mrs deans suppose you heard dan follett was gone yes homer seen the funeral twas a most terrible big one and nothing would do homer but he must follow on with it to the cemetery it do seem hard to think how one son'll go on doing sich things the idea mrs wilson concluded between a sniff and a snort yes said mrs deans sympathetically well there's one good thing no one would hold you responsible for homer's doings now i tell you when men gets his age they're bound to go their own ways then abruptly i was at mrs holder's to-day here mrs deans looked full at mrs wilson you was said her hostess you was who did you see i seen old mrs holder and the young one it's named what asked mrs wilson breathlessly well you'd never guess said mrs deans maliciously prolonging her hostess's agony you'd never guess i'm sure i never suspicioned she'd call it that i suppose it's fitting most fitting i should say but there what's the odds what it's called i wouldn't let it worry me no matter what she called it "'What is its name, Jane?' asked Mrs. Wilson, with such directness that Mrs. Deans could not disregard it. "'My,' answered she. "'My, short for my run. "'Well, Jane,' gasped Mrs. Wilson, in relief, and, affecting that her exclamation was one of surprise, "'well, it beats all.' Mrs. Deans felt satisfied on one point. Mrs. Wilson had certainly had grave fears in regard to the naming of the child. Too grave to be causeless, Mrs. Deans assured herself. Well, Mrs. Deans had never thought much of Homer Wilson. He was altogether too conceited, and he never spoke in revival meeting any more than that once, and he was too sure of himself, and too independent. So, it was Homer Wilson, then. Why hadn't he married her?' Why hadn't myron told now if she mrs deans could only expose the two of them how meritorious that would be a hazy plan to attack homer on the question flitted through her brain to ask him suddenly when he was unprepared point-blank would that startle him into a confession or to a betrayal of the truth in spite of himself mrs deans and mrs wilson talked the afternoon away peaceably and amicably and in the twilight mrs deans went home she met myron halfway to the village and stopped her i been in to see your grandmother to-day she said i wonder at you myron holder that you ain't ashamed to show your face she's failing fast your grandmother is and no wonder well i wouldn't have your conscience for something poor old woman slaving herself to death over a young one like that but you'll be found out yet myron holder and when you do don't look to me thinking i'll back you up for i won't the time for that's past unless you want to take your last chance and own up the whole of it now mrs deans paused her very attitude an interrogation good-night mrs deans said myron in her soft english voice and passed on with down-bent head mrs Deanes stood for quite a minute amazed looking after the quiet form going wearily into the dusk of the gathering night to be left thus was a trifle too much i'll take it out of her for that said mrs deans flushing with wrath i'll let her know what's what or my name ain't deans the idea she'll walk off and leave me standing talking to her will she well mrs deans resumed her irate way myron holder held on her path to the village she was numb alike in mind and body the accumulated weariness of days of toil and nights of painful thought pressed upon her it was marvelous how she endured the fatigues of her life without breaking down physically as thy days so shall thy strength be has hidden a germ of bane as well as blessing does it not often seem as if sorrow imbued life with its own bitter tenacity was ever such a fearful doom pictured as that of the eternal wanderer mocked with the curse of immortality so Myronholder went home in the twilight, and Mrs. Deans went home revolving fresh schemes for her humiliation, inventing new burdens for her overtaxed shoulders. God, they say, builds the nest of the blind bird. Is it man who lines it with thorns? End of chapter eight.